When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencecast Mailbag. Uh, today being Monday, November 20th, 2023. It is Thanksgiving week. We are rapidly approaching um, the one and true Thanksgiving holiday uh, on Thursday. And this week, due to uh, the mix-up with the holidays and stuff, we are doing just one mailbag this week. We have, I believe, 15 questions. And as you see, it is Robbie here and snail um your overlords of the pens cast it seems uh right now garrett is saying that his recording space has been um stolen by some children um which does not make sense because you should just fight them but um he did give us some answers so we will get underway here um before we do snail how you doing on this monday afternoon Doing good. It's uh, this is an this this is gonna be a chill week. Work is light. The holiday is upon us, and we got some fun hockey games going forward. Some fun pens matchups, and uh, yeah, all is good out here on the West Coast, the best coast. Yeah, that's arguable as well, but I'm not gonna get into a debate about that right now. So as you see, no Garrett uh, this week. So, um. He does have his answer, so he will still be taking every third question. I will lead us off. Um, the first question was from Tony Gale. If uh, 68, meaning Yarmer Yager, is headed to the Raptors, then why not Brassos a 35? Uh, my answer to that question is, uh, one, Brasso is a very complicated figure. Uh, not that Yager isn't, but I think uh, – Kind of a a more complicated figure is Tom Brasso with how he treated fans and the media in Pittsburgh. Uh, very crucial to those two Stanley Cups in 91 and 92, but uh, Yager, a much more, I'd say, historically important figure in Penguins history. Um, Brasso, again, a very important player, but not to the level that 68 was. Uh, again, you can't just keep retiring numbers left and right. But the story of Yammer Yager uh, in Pittsburgh goes much deeper than what happened on the ice. Um, his play uh, kept the team in Pittsburgh basically solely um, outside of what Mario did. He's probably the second most responsible person for keeping the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Barrasso had some gaffes that probably cost the Penguins another cup or two during his time in Pittsburgh and just really not the overall impact that um, – that that Yager had a Brasso, well deserving of the Hall of Fame, but I, I I do not believe his standing with the franchise is what uh, Yager's is at this moment. So unless that changes, I just can't see thirty five ever being raised to uh, the Rafters uh, in in Pittsburgh. I think that this question kind of shines a light a little bit also on what it means to be great. And I think that this is this question perfectly kind of, yeah, like I said, shines a little bit of a light on like Yager had a great personality. He was great with the fans and he he was just an all around outstanding person as well or on the ice as well as off the ice where Barrasso, you know, he the he helped, he was integral to those two cups but there is a little bit of a shadow cast on his character and we're debating whether if he was a fan favorite, if he had like flower esque yeah, uh, persona, yeah. I mean, it, it might be a total, it's like, why? Like, yeah, get that guy in the rapid. He loved Pittsburgh. He was great with the fans. He was a media favorite. And, and you know, 
in sports, I think it's sometimes we it's hard to be uh uh it's hard to be in scrums with the media all the time, win or lose, like that would wear on you, I think, just as a human. But I think kind of like I said, Yager is is embraced because he was a, a, an awesome person. Uh, he was an awesome player as well as off the ice where Barrasso isn't. And so I think that should be almost like a, there's a lot of great athletes out there, but it's like your legacy, it's got, it carries off the ice, off the field, wherever it is as well. Yeah, that's absolutely completely fair. And Yager, obviously there was some uh, mid, uh, mid-career angst with Penguins fans after he left the Berg, but that is completely gone. Those hatchets, whatever they are, have been buried and he's completely back in the good graces of the franchise and the fans. So no surprise to see 68 uh, going to the Raptors. Uh, question number two here again from Tony Gale. Uh, with Yager returning to Pittsburgh in February, will do you think they will leave the door open for a full-time return to the Penguins in a coaching role after he retires as a player? No, I don't think. Uh, I always blank on the name. What is what are they called? The enter, the group that owns them, the Penguins? Oh, Fenway Sports Group. Fenway Sports Group. I always want to say I. I always get a different. Yeah, Fenway Sports Group. Uh, they're not going to, but I'll tell you why they should, and that is 766 career goals, 1,155 assists, 1,921 points, 217 goals on the power play, and just for a little bit of a comparison, Mario Lemieux, the magnificent one, Le Magnifique, 236 power play goals. So I think some of those numbers, if you just his. Those numbers, along with the the enigma that is Yarmir Yager, just kind of that lighthearted, kind of like loosey-goosey uh, attitude, I think that the Penguins could use some of that behind the bench. Kind of like what the a little bit of a page out of uh, Edmonton where they put Paul Coffey behind the bench there. Yeah. I mean that guy's got a presence about him and sometimes that penguins bench in that locker room just from the snippets i see it's mild in there it's a little tight it's a little bit uh maybe a little bit boring put yager in there and it i mean how cool would it be to see yager whispering in sid and gino's ear when they're like getting back to the bench after a shift and yager's like dude he sees something you know he sees something and he simplifies the game for them in a way or taking like a young player, like someone like a like imagine seeing Yager having a sit down with like Drew O'Connor or something. It's like, dude, that guy has scored some goals. He's made some plays. He just the 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 little tips and tricks and knowledge that he could bestow on some of these, as we've called them, just kind of guys, average players. I mean, the wealth of knowledge and I think the overall attitude that Yager could bring to a locker room is just it's it's a it's immeasurable it would be it'd be fantastic but i don't think fenway sports groups fenway sports groups has the stones to do it any thoughts on that robbie i i mean i don't i I, if the opportunity would ever come around again we're talking about yami yager retiring and which is in itself who knows when ever if ever again dude might just straight up be buried at center ice during a game at some point, I don't know, but I think if again, I don't know how he would if he'd ever want to be a coach. Like I have no idea if he'd ever want to get into coaching. I really can't say. I mean, that's a factor in it as well. He has to want to do it. You can't just say, "Hey, come over here uh, and do it." Does he have the personality to do that? I don't know. We'll find out uh, if he ever retires. But uh, again, I think if he would come over and say, "Hey, can I take on even a developmental role?" I think something could be worked out, even if it's part time. Uh, to come over and work with some guys, but I, I mean, it all comes down to if he ever retires, if he ever retires to begin with. Like again, I don't know what happens with the team he currently owns once he retires. Like, is that going to take up most of his time? Um, that he might not even have time to come over and coach. So I guess we'll we'll all see how that uh, pans out uh, in the coming years. And I'm asking this, this is kind of putting you on the spot here, but this is coming at you with all sincerity and honesty. Right now, would you take 50-year-old Yaramir Yager on a league minimum deal 
to plug in on the po second power play unit and fourth line, maybe third line, maybe the 12th forward position. Would you take Yarmir Yar Yager right now? I'd have to see how he skates on a North American type surface. I'd have to even say, give him time in the AHL just to see how he can skate uh, against other on a North American rank in the North American game. It's a completely different from the European game. The side, ice surface is smaller. Everything happens quicker. Uh, not that he can't still play. I just, man, 50 is, again, the age does catch up, and he hasn't played an NHL game in, since before COVID at this point. Like eight I would, years, I think. Yeah, I would have to see. I think I have the stats up here. He hasn't played since 2018, so we're over five years at this point. I would be very hard-pressed. I'd have to see him uh, skating against uh, North American professional before I'd say yes or no to that question. He stays in impeccable shape, and he's a massive dude. I don't think you're you're looking at him to to back check and, and play uh, or you know cross his T's and dot his I's defensively, but I'm I'm I would I would do it. I'd be like you know what, let's just see how this goes. You're better than Carter at fifty as is, but uh, anyways, just uh, maybe that's a little bit of like a, a mile in Kyle's shoes for you. If Yager came up to you at the retirement and he looks you dead in the eyes and he shakes your hand, and he says. I want to play. Get just sign league minimum. I'll pay for pennies. Just put me out there on the on the second unit PP, twelfth forward. I think you got to do it. All right, let's move on from that question. So this is technically Garrett's question. Um, he did give us an answer. So read off the question, and I'll answer. I'll give him. Uh, I'll read off his answer. Tony Gale asks. Cadbury Dairy Milk or Hershey's? There's only one right answer here. So what? What is Cadbury Dairy Milk? Is that like? Is that like a, a dairy product? Like, a, is that just raw milk or something? I think it's chocolate. It's just how it's made. Um, uh, Garrett says Hershey's chocolate sucks. Cadbury chocolate rolls. Garrett, you're from Pennsylvania. The standard answer is Hershey's always. Um, I'm a Hershey's chocolate fan myself, so I'm going to say Garrett is wrong here. I mean, he has his own opinions, but I have my opinion that he is wrong. So, um, and basically, I mean, I can just ignore all these answers technically. What's Garrett going to do about it? He ain't going to yeah. create his own episode. But What you could do is read Garrett's answer, and then we just berate him while he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, so he says Hershey's chocolate sucks, Cadbury chocolate rolls. Garrett, that is a wrong opinion. Um, but that means there's more Hershey's chocolate uh, and Hershey's goodies for me to consume. So uh, if you want to have that opinion, fine by me. Um, you can eat the inferior Cadbury uh, option. I kind of take that as Garrett has no like hometown allegiance. Like he kind, I think he hates Pennsylvania. Yeah, he has no uh, state pride. It's no really pride. disappointing. No pride Soft. in in the Keystone State, but. Whatever, his opinion, not mine. Is is Pennsylvania the Keystone State? Is you, I've heard you guys say that a few times. Is that have anything to do with Keystone the beer? Keystone. Light? No. So basically, Keystone State goes back to colonial times, where if you look at the map, Pennsylvania looks like uh, a Keystone in the colonies. Uh, meaning, if it wasn't there, everything else would fall apart. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, definitely kind of a brag on our own. But again, when you create your own state nickname you can call it whatever you want uh but yeah so keystone say is just our state uh nickname um yeah that's gotcha. basically it yeah all right question number four tony gale this one's coming back to me here tony gale says mixed opinions on yager when i was chatting uh with a few fans there last christmas i'm assuming he means in pittsburgh what's the general feel about 68 heading to the rafters yager is one of the reasons i started following the penguins back in the 90s uh, Tony, I don't know how much, how active you are on on social media, but when this uh, was announced, the Jersey retirement was announced, basically everyone just just let out in celebration. A lot has changed since he left in 2001. I mean, we're looking at 20. By the time the Jersey retirement happens, we will be on the eve of like the 23, 23rd anniversary of his trade out of Pittsburgh. So 
there's a lot that has changed in over two decades. So uh, the original angst and frustration and anger toward Yager has greatly subsided. I'm not saying some fans don't still hold a bit of a grudge, but that has all, at least from the franchise perspective and Yager's perspective, that has all that is all dead and buried. Most of the fans that, especially uh, like you and I, Tony, and even Garrett, um, who grew up with '68 in some way, um, definitely understand what he meant to the franchise and are extremely, extremely happy uh, to see this finally happening. And I really can't wait uh, for it to come. Yeah, it's going to be a great night, a great event, and I'm sure there'll be stuff leading up to in the days. Uh, prior uh, to all this happening, it's going to be fantastic, and I really can't wait. I got to chime in quick on this, Tony. I I think I think I feel like you're thinking about it a little too much. Like, yeah, it it sucked when Yager left, and there's people that were bummed. But you know what they say? Grief. I have it right here. Grief is love with nowhere to go. It's it sucked that he left, but yager is not just a penguins legend he is if you're a fan of hockey he is a hockey legend he is like he's like hockey royalty he's just a, an enigma in the game and it's an it's an honor that that he wants the like you know if he was sour on pittsburgh he could have totally been like yeah, i'm not really feeling the retirement there's some sticky feel dude pittsburgh gave him his start and he he wants this is awesome. This is awesome for the game. It's awesome for Yager. I would say just don't think about it too much. It's uh, it's 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 going to be an awesome night to celebrate. It's going to be awesome to see Yager in, uh, in PPG. He's. I hope he's got the mullet just rocking. Maybe some tight denim, throwing it back to the early nineties. Uh, I'm I'm super excited to hear what he's going to say. I hope he has some sort of really choppy speech written up. And uh, it's going to be emotional. I can tell you that. So uh, I'll I'll digress, but uh, it, I'm I'm so juiced for this. It's going to be awesome to have the the spotlight back on Yager. Yeah, it'll certainly be uh, quite a night, and I'm really looking forward to again not just what happens in Pittsburgh, but across the league, um, uh, the reaction to kind of the whole thing. Question number five from Edward Beckham. I. Do not recall this name. So, Edward, if this is your first time asking uh, questions, we thank you very much for uh, being a listen- listener and participating. So, get to this question here. It says, how do you feel about the NHL Global Series, uh, meaning their international games? Would you like to see the Penguins take part in it? Uh, Tony uh, Gale also had a question uh, in this vein as well. Uh, I'd second that. In the UK, we've, we've had the NHL at Wembley, uh, the NBA at the O2 Arena in London, uh, Major League Baseball at London Stadium. Uh, surely it's time for the NHL to make an appearance. How about a state or a stadium game at Wembley would be immense. <laughs> so uh, I actually kind of toiled with this question a bit. Um, thinking of, I put myself in the shoes of like the Maple Leafs or like the Wild who, or the Red Wings or Ottawa who are overseas right now uh, growing the game, which I think is great. I have no qualms with growing the game. I think it's awesome. There is hockey in those, uh, like there's hockey all over the world. And I think that it's important. It's almost the NHL's duty in a way to uh, go in to these places and just shine a light on the hockey culture that exists there already and play these games. I think it's, I think it's important. But I'm kind of a selfish guy, and selfishly, if the Penguins right now were going overseas to play two games, and you, you know, it's they're you're messing up the schedule. There's not the schedule. You're messing up the players' schedule. Like games are at like eight in the morning or whatever, and like technically our um, like Pittsburgh time. It would be eight in the morning. Uh, travel fatigue. And with the Penguins' kind of shaky start to the season, especially coming out of October, and they've been doing pretty well in November so far, but selfishly, I would be like, why are we doing this stuff? Like, why can't they just be playing games at PPG? Uh, Hell, even a a West Coast trip seems close to home compared to going across the pond and playing over in the UK or in Finland or in Sweden or something. So I'm torn because... 
I, I think it's important, but I have a selfish side and I'm like, I don't want the Penguins going and doing that. I think they need to take care of business at home or in even, like I said, even in their own country, away games would seem like a home game compared to overseas. So that's where I sit. But if I'm taking my selfishness out of this, then I think, I think the, the NHL does need to look into finding ways to grow the game, maybe not so much even in places that have the hockey culture, but like I hear rumblings of Mexico City. That would be so cool, finding a way to get a hockey game played in Mexico City. They did Australia um, this uh, the preseason with LA and uh, I believe it was Arizona. Um, I don't know, finding ways to get creative to play the game of hockey in other markets where maybe it doesn't exist. I'm... I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So I guess to put it simply, yes, but selfishly, no. Robbie, what about you? What do you think about growing the game overseas, playing these global series games? Where do you stand on all of that? Yeah, I think I mean, the Penguins played one in 2008 in Stockholm, and that was before it really blew up. That was like the very beginning of everything. I think with FSG at the helm, it's going to happen, even if Mario never would have sold. I think it's going to happen. Uh, you saw preseason games in Australia this year. Uh, you're gonna, they're gonna explore more avenues in, uh, especially in Europe, where the game is, I mean, massive in some places, but budding in other places. England is one that has started to scratch the surface of. They've participated in a few World Championships now. Um, the game is really growing there. France is the same. Places like Germany, Czech Republic, Finland, Sweden, Norway, already hockey hotbeds. Uh, I mean, you saw it with William Nylander uh, was basically front and center of the whole um, the whole press tour when Toronto went over. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to see it back over there. Um, the Penguins, I think, I think everybody's going to get a taste of it at some point. Uh, the Penguins don't really have right now a key, I'd say, figure – that I mean, Crosby's American or Canadian. Uh, Malkin's Russian. They're definitely not playing in Russia anytime soon. Uh, other than that, I mean, Rust, Gensel are both uh, Americans. Raquel, I mean, is he that big of a name uh, in his home country? Probably not. Um, I could see them playing uh, in Prague just for the 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 Yager connection at some point in the Czech Republic. Uh, I mean, you do have Redeem Zahorna. I guess Eric Carlson's a star. Uh, so, but again, they're in Sweden this year. I don't know how quickly they'll go back to Sweden. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they could put the Penguins. Uh, the Penguins could be a team that they send to uh, for a preseason type global series in a Japan or New Zealand or uh, something like that. So I think that's more or less uh what the Penguins could be looking at, but I think every team's going to get a taste of it uh, here in the next five years. Agreed. I think it's going to be, it's going to, it's only going to become more of a thing every year. We're going to be looking forward to it. Um, I think that the Penguins going up into Nova Scotia and playing that preseason game, I think that that's kind of like that Nova Scotia doesn't have an NHL team and, and Sidney Crosby's, you know, arguably still one of the face, or still the face of the league, definitely one of the faces of the league. So, anyways, yeah, I think so. That you could say we're in favor of it. It, it it's fun. Uh, it's it's something to look forward to. Definitely different. Uh, let's see here. Going to our next question, which would be question six from Kim Larson. Kim asks, do you believe the rumors that San Jose is losing on purpose, essentially throwing games so they can get the number one draft pick in the draft lottery? And if they are, could the NHL punish them if they are, in fact, losing deliberately? And Garrett had an answer for this. He Uh, said, I don't think San Jose is losing on purpose. They're just a bad hockey team with bad players. And I'll expound on that a little bit. I agree with that. And you can absolutely build a team to to lose on purpose or to be just not very good and tanking for a high draft pick. Um, I players, it's not in their DNA to just throw games and lose on purpose. They're playing. They still have pride. They still have, um, they're still trying to make a mark. Uh, They, I mean, could be trade pieces, could be trying to uh, put together a season for a, a, a new contract, the next contract. 
Uh, I do not believe the players are losing on purpose. That team is deliberately set up to fail, but players are not going to let it fail uh, without trying uh, 100% their best. And the as the NHL punishing them, uh, you, you'd have to prove that, that the players are losing deliberately. At that point, it'd be almost like match fixing. Uh, you'd have to investigate from almost that perspective. But again, that would be just almost impossible to prove in the league. Uh, it's not going to raise re- waste resources on that. Again, you've had Buffalo basically was flat out tanking for McDavid. Um, you've had bad teams before. Uh, the Penguins basically flat out tanked to get Mario. So, I, I mean, it's hard to prove, but I don't see them ever getting to the point where uh, they would even explore something like that unless there was a complete smoking gun of like emails or text messages saying that this was what the players are doing. Question number uh, seven here. This is from Kim as well. When Yager has his jersey, jersey retired in February, what penguin logo do you think will be on the banner? Do you think it will be the robo penguin? Um, well, so Mario's jersey does not have a logo on it. It has like a color scheme. And his color scheme, I believe, I could be wrong on this, but I do believe it is reminiscent of the color scheme used during the Robo Penguin years. So I would think that Yager would um, be similar to that. Uh, Yager played most of his Penguins career with the Robo Penguin because um, it came it came around right after they won those first two cups. Uh, I believe it'll be white at the white will be the main color, the primary color. I believe it will be very similar to what you see uh, at 66 up there. It'll have the number uh, along with the years he played in Pittsburgh. Um, unless they decide to redo uh, both to match the current color scheme, but I really see it being a, ver- a very similar to Lemieux's number up there, uh, mimicking kind of the Robo Penguin jerseys. But I don't. I think it'll just be a number with the name and the years played. I don't think there will be an actual physical logo on it. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to more of a color scheme than, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the logo itself. Question number eight, again, from Kim, this one's going over to snail here. What are your thoughts on the manslaughter arrest, uh, manslaughter charges and arrest, uh, on the player who hit slash cut Adam Johnson? Well, I'm going to first off say that I have no idea how laws really work over in the UK, yeah. and I didn't bother to uh, educate myself too much on that before coming on this podcast. Um, secondly, I'll say that it's all just extremely unfortunate. Like this, the before that game, these guys were, this was like, can you imagine just like the whirlwind that that guy who got arrested is in? I'll say this. I saw the play, I saw the horrendous video that led to Adam Johnson losing his life on the ice. It the play was reckless. I won't I don't like I don't think that that guy and I'm sorry I'm, I don't I don't have his name in front of me. Um, he played in that 3 ice tournament that's during the summer. Um, from what I hear he's an awesome guy. The play was reckless. He was not trying to kill Adam Johnson. He was not trying to uh, he wasn't trying to uh, do anything that would result in the fate that happened to Adam Johnson. But I will say, watched a lot of hockey in my life. I haven't really ever seen a play that resulted in a motion. Like, I have never seen anything, essentially, that had really... I've never seen what happened in that video happen before. And I want to... I, I think I can... I can. It's not going out on too much of a limb here and saying that it's extremely reckless play, and so this isn't, you know, a first degree murder charge. This isn't conspiring or whatever. You know, this isn't like, this isn't some true crime shit we're about to see unfold here. Manslaughter is, as far as I know, in the United States, manslaughter can happen if you're driving a car and you unintentionally hit someone or end someone's life. That's a man manslaughter charge, and that's. I, like again, like I had said before, I really started getting into this is that I have no idea how the laws really work over in the UK, but I could assume it's probably something similar where a reckless act 
resulted in the death of Adam Johnson. And I don't think that he is, you know, he hasn't been, nothing's been proven yet. There isn't a lot of answers out there for the outcome of this, um, this player, but there'll be an investigation. I, uh, and, and I don't really know what manslaughter charges look like over there, especially one that's in a, in a hockey game where, you know, you're, you're signing up to play in a league where it's a dangerous sport. There's, I'm sure there are, there's some fine print that protects this player to a certain extent. Um, but a reckless play did result in the loss of a life. And that will be re that will be investigated and looked into. And as far, and that's as, that's as much as I can really talk or speak on regarding the matter um, like I said, ex uh, rest in peace to Adam Johnson. That was just horrific and thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And as well as the person that inflicted the, uh, the cut that, that happened on the ice, that guy's life has been flipped upside down and he's, he's out there playing hockey, man. He's, he's not, this is not, like I said, this isn't some true crime story. This is just unfortunate all around. So Let's let's move off of that bit of a bummer yeah. question, but I think it's a good question, and um, maybe we're shining a little bit of light on as far. Did you want to add anything to that, Rob? No, I mean, again, English law is much different than American or even Canadian law. I don't think it's. I think a lot of people saw the news and immediately thought he was being arrested and charging. Like it's much. From what I understand, I did see some people who are familiar with English law kind of give their take on it. And it's not as clear cut as uh, what you'd be used to in the United States. So, um, yeah, good question. But I think best to uh, let up the experts on this one to see how it all plays out without uh, dropping a hot take and then just finding out two weeks later that we have absolutely no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, the player was uh, Matt Petgrave. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, just it, it's – things suck for that guy right now too. Yeah. And he, it's it's he's not he's not an enemy i mean it was an unfortunate accident i just hope that people out there are keeping level heads which the internet proves every day to yeah, me that no right. one out there does but i'm hoping that maybe people listening to this can can find a little bit of patience and compassion for this individual because his life has been flipped upside down and that was not what he was intending to do absolutely all right, next question is a Garrett Moving question. Moving on, it's a Garrett question. Let's yep. get out, yeah, let's see here. Kim Larson asks Garrett, Garrett, uh, do you think we should have kept John Marino, and are you okay with the trade? Garrett says, yes, absolutely, we should have never traded John Marino. Ty Smith hasn't amounted to anything. Another Ron Hextall classic. All right, I, need, I want to chime in on this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go ahead. When so the, I think this could be looked at two ways because in the moment, uh, I was pretty I didn't like the Marino trade for Smith. I thought Marino was kind of wasn't it like a sophomore slump a little bit? Could it be chalked up to that essentially? Yeah, I mean, he had yeah. a hell of a rookie year. He was looking like a gem that the Penguins picked up, and then a little bit of a sophomore slump, and then. People were ex like just clamoring that he was having like a Norris caliber season in Jersey. It was a 50-50 split. Oh, he had yeah, a great yeah. He had up, a great yeah. first he had a great first half of the season that was making that trade look horrible. But then the you know his his season did not finish as strongly as it started, let's just say that. I think that what Hextall was trying to do was make the back end the defensive core back there bigger and John Marino is not a big guy he's an excellent offensive minded puck moving defenseman who can kill penalties he's a smart player out there I'm not mad at trading John Marino because right now if we didn't know Eric Carlson was coming in a couple years when that trade happened but right now I think moving a guy like John Marino would not moving a guy like him would not have been the biggest deal but it was that exact trade for ty smith who's another undersized defenseman who right now let's be totally honest i don't know if he's ever coming out of the american hockey league like i don't know if that guy will play an nhl game again and i'm trying not to exaggerate but that guy is he's forgotten how to play hockey a little bit um he looked good in the preseason but that's the preseason 
uh, there's a, a couple of players that are going to play in front of Ty Smith, even given an injury or multiple injuries. P.O. Joseph is is not playing games right now. This uh, Riley Shea guy, hell of a player. He is looking like an awesome pickup. I think that he's he kind of reminds me of like an Oli Mata, like a little bit, like a little bit of like a better Oli Mata. Uh, uh, what the potential of Oli Mata was supposed to be. He he's got some patience out there. He's got some confidence. I mean, that's just that's a guy we picked up this season, and Ty Smith has not been linked to getting any sort of call up. I don't really know how he's doing right now in the American Hockey League, but I don't think I think it's safe to say he's not exactly making any noise down there. It, it is a horrible trade, Robbie. I'll pass it over to you. But uh, it, overall, I think we can give that grade uh, that trade grade an F. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well. I think that. Um... Basically, I mean, what's been said about that trade, if we could go back and reverse it, we would, but we can't. And again, the the hype about Marino being a Norris Trophy candidate, don't buy that. Uh, but he would easily be in the lineup for the Penguins if he played, uh, if he was still in Pittsburgh. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, move on from that. And uh, I think overall right now, though, the Penguins – uh, defenseman core, it, 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 it's not too bad. I'll take Eric Carlson over John Marino, though. Let's put it that way. True, and like it's not like Marino is going to play third pairing. Like he's not a third pairing defenseman. No. And no. He's like he's a top four. He's a he's a second uh, pairing right shot guy. I think that's where he's kind of cemented himself. Um, you don't. It's an embarrassment of riches, and it's not what you necessarily want on a third pairing. Uh, I, I think we could both agree that if moving moving Marino, he was he's a good piece. He could have used him, I think, for a, a, a better, different type of player. But the the Ty Smith, it was it wasn't a lateral move. It was a, it was a downgrade. So um, yeah, uh, let's get off that before we need to take blood pressure medication because that <laughs> one still stings. All right, question number ten again from Kim here. This one's coming back to me. How will get Jake Gensel's new contract look like? And how much is he worth? Um, Kim, your answer is probably as good as mine on this. I think his contract, he's, man, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me because he's going to get paid. I hope he gets paid in Pittsburgh. I, I, again, how much is he worth? I think when he's producing, he's worth his weight in gold. I mean, this is a guy that scored 40 goals. In the NHL, if you're very serious about still competing during the Crosby-Malkin era, you got to bring him back. And that's as simple as that for me. Uh, he plays well with Crosby. He thinks like Crosby. He produces with Crosby. Um, and he has basically since he came into the league in 2017. He is Crosby's right, or I guess left-hand man, I guess, uh, technically on the on the roster. But uh, I, I pay him. I think he's worth at least uh, what's he making now? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's... Well, like what, sorry to interrupt, but like no, who good. are some comparables to, to a Gensel player? Like taking, taking what he's like, taking our uh, um, like emotions and our, our whatever, like our attachments to a Jake Gensel, who are some comparables in the league that score like he does and play a similar position? Like, is it crazy to say like a Brad Marchand or like a Timo Meyer are are comparables to a Jake Gensel. Yeah, I think he's even he's a better goal scorer than Meyer. Meyer's never hit forty in his career. Uh, he's making six million a year on his current deal. I think he's going to get uh, at least that on his next deal. He got uh, five years last time. Uh, so one, two, yeah, if this is a five year deal. I think you give him another five year deal, maybe a slight uh, with the, the salary cap will jump a little bit this off season. Uh, with a slight uh, pay increase, maybe, but I think he's going to be in that six mil. Uh, you do? Yeah, I don't see how he's not. I don't see any. I don't think he's not done anything during this contract to warrant a pay decrease from the Penguins. No, I don't think a decrease at all. Pasternak got eleven point five. Yeah, and, and he's, but he's like yeah. a, he's a right winger, right shot, different type of guy. A Sebastian Ajo is a center, but he got what is it nine, nine and a half. Um, uh, Marshan's making six, six, one, two, five, but you know, they've got that thing in Boston where they don't take more than Bergeron made. Um, uh, Timo's making six. 
Uh, I think Jake could ask for nine. I think that uh-huh. if, if, if that's where the contract went, like, I don't think he's a $10 million player. Um, he's looked actually quite pedestrian. This is a big year for Jake, and I think at times he's looked quite pedestrian. But would it be a shock if he were to to, to be look at asking for nine on his next deal? A nine by five? I don't think I don't think he can get that from the Penguins, but it would open not, market. Uh, open market, yeah. That's we're okay. I'm talking. Yeah, open market. I think that, but um, the Penguins, I don't know if it would go that high. Do you do you think that it's do you have any wavering in the idea of re-signing Gensel? Do you think that he's a guy that you let walk and you bring in someone else? Or is he someone that you want to retire a Penguin? Is he someone you want to see play as a Penguin late in his career? Uh, how do you, Where do you stand on, the, on re-signing Gensel? I stand on the you do re-sign him. Penguin for life. I mean, not many players can say that they play with one team their entire career. Again, who knows what happens after Crosby and Malkin are gone? Does a guy like Jake become a, a nice trade piece? One of those years the Penguins are just bad. Uh, say, like, let's say they give him a six-year deal with two years left in that contract when Crosby and Malkin are maybe gone. Is he maybe a piece that you trade for a first-round draft pick at the deadline? Uh, maybe you, you maybe um, recap a bit of money on that uh, to get that deal done. But um, – yeah, the pay, I, again, there's just very few players out there that score 40 goals that hit the open market, even less uh, even less guys that have the chemistry that Jake does with Crosby. I think you, you pony up and get him. Um, you try to do whatever you can. I don't think his asking price can go above $9 million, but uh, on the open market, you never know. But maybe hometown discount, get that for 7 and, a half, and let's call it a day, get him there for six more years, and uh, we roll with that. Uh, we roll with the high cap hit once everybody's out the door and we're on to a new era of Penguins hockey. I'd be careful of that Billy G in Minnesota once his contract starts, the once these contracts uh, talks start start happening. Jake Gensel's a Minnesota guy. I think he's mm-hmm. actually like a Nebraska guy or something weird like that, but he lives yeah. in Minnesota in the off seasons. I think that's where he grew up kind of playing hockey. Um, uh, yeah, his dad, wasn't his dad like a coach or something in Minnesota? Yeah. Anyways, so... Minnesota guy, some of that 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 cap that cap hell that Minnesota's in right now, that's gonna come off the books eventually. And I, I could see Billy being like, dude, this is a Minnesota guy. If penguin, whatever the Penguins are giving you, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you more. I would be, I would be weary of of old Billy G out there in Minnesota once uh, if Jake were to hit the open market. Yeah, but that's a conversation for another yeah. day, so let's move yep. on here. Uh, Jake's a penguin for now. All right. Question 11 from Kim again. This one's going to snail. What are the top three logos in the NHL, and what are the three worst logos? Not just jerseys, but the actual logo itself. Yeah, not not jerseys, because that's a whole – I can oh, get yeah. into that. That's a whole mess. But, yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this quite a bit. I, I looked over the questions last night. And I think I'm going to leave the Penguins logo out of it because, like, it's just, like, bias. It's, like, well, the, it's what the logo I, – I don't even want to get into all that. But, like, just as, like a, a, like, a visual pleasing to the eye type of deal, thing that gives me kind of a – makes you feel something. Honestly, like, the the Detroit Red Wings, the winged wheel, it's just so good. It's just a good logo. Um, it's iconic. It's classic. You know exactly what it means. It's it's old timey hockey to me. Um, and then, uh, uh, I, unfortunately, I mean the Flyers have a great logo as well. I mean, like in the despite what that team means to a, a Penguin fan, the Flyers have a great logo and a great color scheme. It's iconic. You, it just makes me. Th- feel and, and think a certain it, it it's like nostalgic you know what i mean i would say detroit the flyers and then um uh it's it's a, probably one of the original six it's got to be like the maple leafs or, or the chicago blackhawks um i've never been a huge fan of the bruins logo or the rangers and i'm trying to take fandom out of it i hate the rangers i don't really like boston 
the Blackhawks probably. I, I like that. It's just make it's old timey. It just like makes me like feel like I just think of hockey, uh, you know, Bobby Hole. Um, uh, it makes me think of winter. It makes me think of grittiness. But it's uh, anyways that. So yeah, I'd probably go with Detroit. I'm gonna take Flyers actually out of there. I'm gonna go Detroit, Chicago, and I hate Toronto so much, but that is a great looking logo, the Maple Leaf. How that's just hockey. That's Canada. That's old timey. It's classic. It's good. It's sharp. Um, I think uh, I, I want you to chime in on this too, Robbie. What, what are your top three logos out there? A runner up would actually be Minnesota for me too. I like the Wild okay. logo, but uh, I'll digress. Uh, my top three best logos, I'm going to go with uh, the Buffalo Sabres with the logo they use now, uh, just with the, the Buffalo and then the, the actual swords on the on the crest are are absolutely excellent for me. Um, who else I'm going to go with here? So many good options on these. Um, I'm going with the, the Flaming Sea. Uh, in Calgary, especially with their new color scheme, uh, the Flaming Seas iconic, um, and really just kind of brings it all together. Uh, a great, a great logo there. And my third and final one on these top, uh, the these top logos, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but the Senators going back to that '90s logo with like it kind of looks like the head, what you'd see on a coin almost. Uh, just really love that logo, a logo that I kind of grew up with uh, around the league um, is one right there. And uh, as for logos that I find bad, um, uh, let's see where are we at here. Uh, the Kings have a great classic logo. The new one is just way too modern and just very boring. The Ducks logo, the, with the, their main uniforms is just the, the D foot is just so boring and just so bring sad. Back dark wing. Yes. Bring back dark wing full time. To me, it is just so sad. And my third and final on here is the Winnipeg jets logo. While not awful when compared to the original jets logo, it is just lifeless and way too uh, 21st century for me. So uh, those are my three uh, on the bad side. Agreed. Uh, moving on here. So this is uh, this is Garrett's question again, and yep. it's coming from our boy Kim Larson. And he asks simply, what has happened with P.O. Joseph, and will he be traded? Uh, Garrett says no. Uh, P.O. Joseph has no real draft value. Pittsburgh can use him as cheap depth for now. And I, I it's only two sentences, but I think Garrett pretty much wrapped up. Uh, that question pretty well there. There's no much, not much trade value in P.O. Joseph right now. And uh, you can use him as a plug, a plug guy when, when needed. So I don't think there's too much going to be too much activity on the P.O. Joseph uh, trade front, unless he is a part of a, a larger deal. But um, I don't think you're ever going to see him in just any kind of uh, one for one swap. Uh, maybe for, maybe the deadline you get him uh, for a, sixth or seventh round draft pick or something like that, but I don't see much value there uh, right now. So I think Garrett pretty much summed up that one uh, pretty quickly. I think so. I think he doesn't really have a ton of, ton of value right now, but let's not forget, like he played like most of last year. He has a third pairing guy. Um, yeah. Oftentimes on the top pair, sometimes like he was kind of all over the place, but he's a, he, he was pretty solid for the pens last year. He's fast. Um, he, he can move the puck for sure, and he I think a couple of times we've probably forgotten, but he, he can chase guys down in the defensive end. He That speed on defense really played well into the Penguins' hands last year on multiple occasions. I would think it's a bit of a stretch for, what did Garrett say, he has no trade value? Yeah, I mean, he I, is very, I, very limited, I'd say. He has some limited trade value, but maybe like you said, Robbie, he could be packaged up nicely. I think a team at the deadline looking for a defenseman, that is like the number one commodity at the deadline is defenseman. I think that you could get a draft pick maybe, or you package him if you're looking to make a bigger splash. Yeah, I agree with that as well. All right, question number 13. Uh, Going back to Edward here, uh, is downtown Pittsburgh the best area to stay when visiting? 
Uh, Edward said he's coming for a week in April to catch the last three home games, plus watch the Pirates. Uh, any other recommendations for things to do around the city? Uh, Edward, downtown has its definite um, uh, choice of hotels. Uh, you can stay at the North Shore as well. Uh, that's near. That's closer to PNC Park. Uh, and then you can Uber to uh, PPG Paints Arena. But downtown has a quite a few hotels to choose from that were, are within walking distance of restaurants and um, re- yeah, restaurants and other things to do and within walking distance of PPG Paints Arena. Um, but yeah, other than, downtown's a good place to stay. A- any other recommendations for around the city? Uh, the botan- or not the botanical, the uh, Pittsburgh Aviary uh, is just about a little, I believe northwest not very far from uh uh, from pnc park uh very if you're into any kind of wildlife or outdoors a very cool place to visit you have the carnegie science center uh right down by akersher stadium um trying to think of some other cool there's a bunch of cool uh you have heinz history museum which is down uh in that area near the strip district uh the strip is a very cool place to uh, visit too for a uh, very ethnic uh, twist on things. And if you want cheap knockoff on trademark merchandise, um, uh, if you want really the best of weird Pittsburgh, the, the strip is a place to go. And if you stay downtown, you can get easy access uh, to the strip as well. Uh, a bunch of cool stuff to do downtown, even just walking around um, and seeing the history of the city. Uh, if you are a Pirates fan, the Roberto Clemente Museum is down uh, in Pittsburgh as well. So check that out. Uh, as well a lot of cool stuff a lot of good places to eat but if it's getting toward april and you're still looking for things to do edward uh, hit us up and we'll get to you uh, again question we have question 14 and 15 that i believe are from ours truly snail so snail i will let you grab those and ask them and we can talk about them uh real quick to wrap up the episode You're on mute, Snell. You're on mute. Shit. There uh, we go. I saw the lips moving and no sound, and then I saw the I saw the the mic with the cross over it, and I knew that uh, he wasn't live. So, uh, Snell, I'll let you take these last two. Well, you can ask the questions, and we can we'll talk round table them. Yeah, yeah, um, we'll round table. So uh, I was racking my brain a little bit in my free time about this, and I figured I'd chime in on the mailbag. Um, Let's start with uh, one of my questions here out of the two. It is, uh, who is the biggest home run draft pick? I put in Penn's history, but we don't have to do history because that might involve a little bit too much research. Just for conversation's sake and uh, a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a roundtable here, and maybe in recent memory, who are some of the biggest home runs draft-wise that the Penguins have hit on? Well, I mean, you got to say Chris Letang, the third-round pick. Uh, the greatest defenseman in team history. Um, yep. Jake Gensel has to be on that list. And I think uh, hey, there's a lot of guys from those those back-to-back cup runs that could be on that list as well. I think you got to put Brian Rust in there as well, in, in my opinion. Brian, what, Rust, what about Patrick Hornquist being the last person picked in his draft year? He was drafted by Nashville, though. Oh, shit, you're right. God damn it. That was... yeah. Oh, that, that was, would be, I mean, if that was the Penguins pick, that'd be absolutely maybe the greatest draft pick in, in team history. But yeah, he was drafted and then traded for it. You're right. I don't know why. I was, I was just like, I just remember him being picked last, and I was like, what a guy. He won those two cups. So yeah, I I would I would have said Gensel. Like, Gensel. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Believe it or not, there actually was a little bit of buzz about Jake before he was drafted. Who's that guy up in Canada? The uh, the 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 prospect guy. He always talks about the the World Juniors and the draft picks. He was talking about Gensel a little bit, and then the, okay. he and then he fell to to where he did. And um, I mean that guy. If you could redraft, would you take him top five, maybe? <laughs> top I'd six. have to look at that draft class, but um, I mean, I, again, the redrafts are always easy in my opinion because, like, you can just look at those draft class who produced all this great talent. And I mean, Gensel, I mean, 40 goal scorers don't just grow on trees. 
And I think if you look at that, whatever draft class he was, not many 40 goal scorers come out of these draft classes. And I think that you'd have to put him on uh, in that top five, top 10 of that draft class. So uh, that's the year that Nate McKinnon went first overall. This was in 2013. Okay. 13. It goes Nate McKinnon, Alexander Barkov. Those are locks. Those are yeah, that's that's as good how, as yeah. it gets. But then after that, it's Jonathan Drouin, who is not having a good time no. in his career right now. He is, you know, he's he's on his third team. He's, I, I don't even know if he's playing every night. Yeah. Seth Jones, promising in Columbus, or in Nashville, and then in Columbus, and then Chicago. They've been not the Chicago of old, and I think that's kind of affected his game. That's debatable. And then Elias Lindholm, pretty good player up in Calgary right now. Um, and then after that, this would be pick six, is Sean Monahan, seven, Darnell Nurse, eight, Rasmus Ristolainen, nine, Bo Horvat, uh, ten, Valerie Nichushkin. And then after that, it's like Samuel Morin, Max Domi, Josh Morrissey, Alex Wenberg, Ryan Pollock, Nikita Zadorov, Curtis Lazar, Mirko Mueller, uh, Anthony Mantha's on here, Freddie the Goat, Freddie Gauthier, Andre Burakovsky, Shea Theodore, Marco Dano, Ryan Hartman. So some good players in there. But, I mean, Gensel, yeah, you, I can, think, you yeah. can chalk him up to 30 every year. I mean, would could Gensel have maybe been like a – would you take Gensel right now over Jonathan Juan? Oh, absolutely. I think the only one that I maybe argue with is like – because when Seth Jones came into the league, I think Jones – it's hard to argue against what you saw from Seth Jones in National sure. Columbus. So I would absolutely have to put I, – I think at worst I would put Jake Gensel fourth. At worst. And I guess if we're really putting the, the, the hindsight 2020 on, Seth Jones was only good, I think, in Nashville and in, and in uh, Columbus because he was insulated with really good defense. Nashville yeah. had the best decor, like – in in recent history like maybe the blackhawks is is another one the 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 blackhawks that were winning cups but they had you know shea weber they had uh that ellis guy they had ekholm i mean they were them and anaheim were like the d factory for the nhl for a lot of years and uh elias lindholm's a good player as well too i'll say that he but but jake is a blue collar type guy and he he's good for 30 to 40 a year and he pretty healthy type dude i guess look i i think i would it would be hard yeah third or fourth i guess i agree with you he could go th- third wouldn't have been a bust or a bad pick by any means so the um the the hockey writers which is a website did a redraft of 2013 this summer as like a 10-year anniversary thing and here's where they came up with they went and this is an order from first on down Nathan McKinnon and Ale- and Sasha Barkov, which we talked about. Third, he went with Elias Lindholm. Fourth, he went with uh, Josh Morrissey. Fifth, he went with, and this is not a name that I realized was in this draft, was UC Soros. Um, so, yeah, that one would be, I mean, wow. goal t- goaltenders like that don't just uh, pop up. With six, he went with Bo Horvat. Seventh, he went with Darnell Nurse. He was uh, the third guy in this draft that he kept at the original position. Eighth, he went with Mackenzie Weger. And then ninth uh, with the Vancouver Canucks is where he brings in Jake Gensel. And then rounding out the top ten, he get, went with uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand uh, to the Dallas Stars. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to argue with that list as well. Um, th- th- there's some good names on there. Weger's a hell of a defenseman. Uh, Lindholm's a great player, like I'd said. He's a centerman. Yeah, you're always You'll take a centerman, I think, over a winger if you're, if you're trying to build something. Um, yeah, I think I'd have him a little bit higher than nine, but, uh, and that's not with biased eyes either. I think that he's just, uh, he's that solid of a player. If you've got, if you're starting out a franchise, if you're, if you're building from the ground up and you got yourself a good centerman already, maybe, uh, how is Gensel not that, that just like crowning jewel to a first or a second line? Tristan Jari is in that draft as well. Hmm debatable whether that was fortunate or not now um uh greg wachinski from espn did the same thing um and here's how he went i'll just run over the top 10 real quick mckinnon barkov and then at three he actually went with bo horvat uh four he kept seth jones at fifth he went with soros he has gensel at six to the flames elias lindholm is seven shay theodore is actually eighth sean monahan is nine and brett pesci uh, who went 66 overall 
uh, goes at 10. Good defenseman. I mean, I don't, he, the way his career has been and how steady he is, Pesci as a, as a first round draft pick, top 10 guy wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't shock me. So, um, what's anyways. your second question? <laughs> we'll move on here to the last of my two questions. And that is in let's, I said history again, I think, but like, let's just do recent okay. memory. Biggest pens draft bust. Derek Pouillat. That is the correct answer, I think. Was that as soon as I saw that, as soon as you read that, uh, that came right to my head. And that I was so convinced that Derek Pouillat was going to be uh, the dude back on the Penguins blue line for a decade. And I'm so sad that it did not pan out that way. And he wasn't even like, I can't even give him like a Daniel Sprong, like like boost that like was at least productive after he left Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek no. Coyot just was absolutely not, uh, was nothing at the NHL. And I'm so disappointed by that. Uh, two other names, uh, obviously Daniel Sprong, who has uh, found some success uh, outside of Pittsburgh. And then another one, and this is not for any, anything uh, that he did, but Bo Bennett. Yeah. Bo Bennett showed some promise, but, he just couldn't stay healthy. That poor guy. Uh, just that's he's kind of almost like a meme in the NHL. Yeah. Um, Pouliot though, just a couple of the names that came after Pouliot. I mean, Jacob Truba would look pretty good in your top four D on the right side. Uh, what Jacob, year was Pouliot? He was in 20. 2012. All right, go. Yeah, you can keep. So I, I got here Jacob Truba, Slater Cuckoo, uh, neither here nor there. Philip Forsberg would look pretty good in your top six. Um, let's see. Zemgis Gergensen's Garrett's favorite player to uh, name to say. Uh, Cody Cece, Tom Wilson would look pretty good in your top six, middle six, uh, top nine. Um <laughs> 19, Andre Vasilevsky. Imagine how the Penguins would look with a guy like Vassi in net. Uh, Tomas Hurdle, Turbo Teravainen, uh, Oli Mata, who the Penguins took at 22. Mike Matheson, he ended up being a Penguin for a cup of coffee. Uh, Jordan Smaltz, Malcolm Subban, uh, Brady Shea, Stefan Matteau. Whatever happened to him? I don't Tanner, know. Tanner Pearson. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know, not... Not a Teddy Bluger eventually in the second round, or anyways, a couple of big names though that you might like to see that are still having success in their careers behind a guy like Derek Pouliot. So, um, what the hell? Uh, the hockey writers again did a redraft in 2012 of this draft. I'll read out here the top ten. Uh, number one that year was N- Niall Yakupov. <laughs> so yeah. Take that. What a for, whiff yeah. on a first um, overall. Edmonton, their answer to Niall Yakupov was Andre Vasilevsky going one overall. Number two was Ryan Murray. They changed it to Morgan Riley. Number three was Alex Galchenyuk. They switched it to Tomas Hurtle. Number four was Griffin Reinhardt. Switched it to Philip Forsberg. Number five was Morgan Riley. But since he had moved up, that leaves uh, Toronto with Jacob Truba. Number six was Hampus Lindholm, is now Jacob Slavin. Number seven was Matt Dumba, is now Damon Severson. Number eight, here's the Penguins, it was Derek Pouillat, is now Matt Dumba. Number nine was Jacob Truba, turned into Connor Hellbuck. And number 10 was Slater uh, Kokuk, turned into Tom Wilson. I would have taken Hella Buck or Tom Wilson. <laughs> Honestly, uh, like... let's see. I'm just trying. I know the Penguin. The Penguins had yeah. So yeah, and at 22nd overall, they had uh, they kept Oli Mata uh, with the Penguins, which I think is completely fair and fine. He was serviceable. I think you always wish you got a little bit more out of him. He could move the puck. He was kind of a defensive liability at times. He is what he is. Is he still in the league? Who's that? Mata. Uh, he oh, might he is be with the Red Wings. Yeah, Red okay, Wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the Athletic also did a redraft last year, and at number eight they have the Penguins in this redraft taking Jacob Truba. 
He is a good bruising defenseman that I would take on my team every single day of the week and twice, if not thrice, on Sunday. That is correct. <laughs> well, thanks for entertaining that. That wraps up the mailbag this week. That does. And uh, I believe we got uh, a game here in two days. Um, yes, they on, play on, on Wednesday. On the eve of True Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, they do play the the Rangers, so I snail. I guess at some point that evening, you and I can sit down and uh, crank out a recap of that game. Let's hope that it goes the way of Sunday. Um, that was fun. Let's sure. keep doing more of that. Um, as for Garrett, um, he is who knows apparently... what he'll be doing. He's gonna be doing. He, he, he I can guarantee you're not gonna hear from him. Yeah, Garrett. We might hear from if we hear from Garrett. We'll let everybody know. Um, sound the alarms. Yes, we will sound the alarms. We will uh, light the fires of Rohan if we hear from Garrett. Um, also, dude, can we just quickly mention, we missed uh, our, our good pal, longtime friend of the show, Brian. Yeah, Brian did not ask a question this week, and he was um, active in the mailbag. He did respond to one of uh, Snail's questions. So, uh, Brian, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he was off last week and didn't have time to drive around delivering mail thinking of questions but he does it on foot he walks oh that's right maybe he did not work last week and he did not have an opportunity to come up with any questions but brian um hopefully we have him back for next week's mailbag but um as for now that wraps up this week's mailbag uh snail um we'll talk to you again on wednesday um garrett uh who knows uh we'll keep everybody updated on that and as for myself um thanks for tuning in and if you do not listen to us again before thursday have a good thanksgiving and have a safe holiday weekend and we will talk to you after that 